Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring my daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! I can't believe we're already at 99. Uh, next episode, uh, well, what are we going to be? Let's ask uh, Vince Vaughn from back in his Swingers movie days. You're grown's up and you're grown's up and you're grown's up! If you'd like to send us a, a message of some kind congratulating us or telling us to get lost or how to be better or, you know, just whatever, feel free to find me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA. You can send it to me or Person Noob or both. As far as how we'll handle things on the actual show, uh, we'll probably have some cake. I suppose we'll read any message that we uh, you're kind enough to send. We might blow a kazoo from a distance, not too close to the mic. Yeah, then we'll call that done for the most part. But... We will have an exciting announcement. Someone's moving up in the soccer world. Still a new, but I'm making the most of my experiences. Really hope you'll tune in to find out. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. But episode 99 first needs to be, and it needs to be quality. So what are we going to do? We will be mini-previewing the best, most intriguing matches from all around the globe, as we define that. That's top two matchups usually uh, from leagues and countries, big and small, tournament matches from any confederation in the world. We're covering it all. This week, we've got a bit of a controversial match to cover in a way, and we're mostly going to be hitting tournaments this week, not as much league play like we did last week. So just something kind of different. Also, this episode, our Soccer Week So You Know, is going to cover matches from Friday through Thursday, as always. This will be September 2nd through 8th. So, with no more gilding of the lily, let's jump right into the mini-previews with... Match number one! No Friday matches were quite glamorous or glitzy enough to catch Team Noob's attention, so we start our podcast quest on Saturday over in jolly old England for the FA Cup. Now, while the quote-unquote event proper won't start for a couple more months when the Premier League teams have entered this bracketed tournament knockout fray, we're still having the qualifying rounds leading up to that where they reach all the way down to the 10th tier to find teams to participate. It is the deepest one in the world, I believe, and we loved to minnow watch, and that is finding teams from lower levels that make runs, perhaps even could get all the way to the group stage. Probably not from this far back, but maybe. So it's very strange. We're in the first qualifying round, but it's actually the third qualifying round. They have a preliminary round that precedes this, and then an extra preliminary round before that, and that's where the 10th level teams uh, start as well as some of the ninth level teams. Why they just don't call those first ones, the first and second 
qualifying rounds. I'm not quite sure. Convention, tradition, they can be odd things. This particular level, this is where the teams from the seventh tier, which is still going to be amateur with a little bit of semi-professional throw in, are entering the tournament. By the way, to get to the group stage, you have to get all the way past the fourth qualifying round or really the sixth overall round of qualification. They're not the team that we're going to cover a match for, but I do want to make note, since it's kind of the way we chose last year, that there is only one surviving level 10 team at that point, this point, and it is a club called Wincanton Town out of Somerset. I don't know, something about Canton and town sounds funny. Sounds like a Winchestertonville from uh, the Adam Sandler and Mr. Deeds movie that... Uh, that actress made up. I can't remember her name. Anyway, we continue to follow a team from the ninth level that is now trying to win their third game, Midhurst and Eastbourne. They are getting to play host to a team called Chatham Town, the Chats from the eighth tier, one level up. First, a very brief little bit about Midhurst and Eastbourne, just for those who haven't uh, maybe followed the show the last week or two, or maybe are just discovering us. They are known as the Stags, and until they are out, they are the team that we have adopted. Uh, the area population between these two villages is about 6,000. It lies about 45 miles southeast of London in an area called West Sussex. This was a 10th level team last year. They just got promoted to the Southern Combination Division, which has a couple of three leagues in it, to their Premier Division, which is at level nine. They are currently mid-table earlier in their season, and they've got a match in hand against a whole lot of those clubs. They advanced over fellow level nine team, but from a different league last time, Harefield United 2-1. to one. And now the team we're going to learn a little bit more about are villains, if you will, Chatham Town. They are located in the historical uh, county Kent. Early on, they played on basically what were army grounds. There was a Royal Corps of Engineers of some kind uh, on which they played on their grounds, and it didn't have any enclosure. Now, they made, and this was in the late 19th century, by the way, like the late 1880s, they made an FA Cup run, got all the way to the quarterfinals, and that was the key match or one of the key matches or happenings that prompted the Football Association to have a rule that in order to host an FA Cup match, you must have enclosed grounds in order to host because without enclosed grounds, it is very difficult, if not flat out impossible, to charge admission. And the visiting team is entitled to their share of those monies to help them pay for their costs. Now, uh, this team, they play in the Isthmian League. Very hard to say, but we give it a go. They're Southeast Division. So if they get promoted, they'll still be in this league, but in a premier division. And again, they are at the eighth level. Most of the teams here by semi-professional, I doubt any of them are fully professional. So when I say mostly, some of the players probably don't get anything at all, uh, or maybe a modest stipend at most. Now, they finished in second place last year in the Southern Counties East League Premier Division. Boy, is that a mouthful. Interestingly, they only finished in second place despite the fact that they got to 100 points and scored 122 goals on the season. That's incredible. There was a team called uh, Sheppy that also got promoted with them that won the league. This year, very early on, they are 1-0-1 oh, uh, with a 2-1 goal differential on the year. Match number B. You know, person whom I'm a bit of a world traveler, I've flown over Canadian airspace, and I've been close enough to Canada at Niagara Falls to see the Great White North. 
I've never been there. And oh, if I could have crossed that bridge at the falls, I bet I would have discovered with given enough time that in fact, they are way ahead of us Americans and have already gotten rid of that nasty phrase number two. They're a very couth and polite people and surely know that number two is bathroom talk and that number B is the way to go. Listen to it in action, New Bites, if I may refer to you as such. Match number B comes to us from Canada's League One Ontario. This is a third-tier team. Now, they don't really have a first-tier league, according to the Canadian FA. That is more of a term that I suppose they reserve for their teams that are in Major League Soccer. So, Canadian Premier League is considered second-tier. And this, League One Ontario, is one of the third-tier teams. It is semi-professional, and yet the winner of this league does get to go to the Canadian Championship next year, which is Canada's FA Cup. Now, in this particular league, uh, the top six teams all made the playoffs. The top two teams got buys into the semifinals, and getting those buys apparently played off because your matchup final is between number one, Vaughn Azuri, versus number B, Blue Devils. Uh, they played earlier this season, and it's a huge league, so they only played a single round robin. Vaughn Azuri won at home 2-2, two to two, and here they are getting to host again based on their seed. Now, Vaughn is a city of about 325,000, by the way. It's just north of uh, Toronto proper, really, in the York region. This is the only team that went undefeated in the league. They actually went undefeated last year as well in the regular season. They won two playoff titles, 2016 and 2018. Last year, despite that undefeated run in the regular season, they did bow out in the playoff semifinals. 2019, they got to play in the Canadian Championship, but they fell out right away in the first round. This year, they had the number one offense by lots, scoring over three and a half goals per match. The defense was uh, well within the top half of the league. They were tied for number six there. Things were close enough in that category that overall they had the number one overall goal differential. If you can find a stream of this or are looking at the box score after the fact, the name to watch for, tied for number one in league scoring. He managed to net 23 times. Wow. Massimo Farron, a Canadian forward, 23 years old. American fans, if you like certain teams from the USL Championship, you could recognize his name. He played for Loudoun United, a DC sort of uh, reserve or farm team that plays in the championship, America's second tier, back in 2020. And now the Blue Devils, they play out of Oakville, which is part of the greater Toronto area. And it's in one of the most densely populated areas in the entire province. Uh, there's a lot of life science companies that are based here and a lot of, uh, whether it be uh, pharmaceuticals or elderly care companies, if you will. That seems to be a real focus of this area. Now, this team has been around forever, or at least the name Blue Devils. It's existed in many, many different iterations or forms under this name since the 1940s. This current iteration was sort of uh, refounded or reestablished in 2014, specifically to play in the advent of this league. Last year, there was an Eastern and Western division, and they finished in second place in the West and got all the way to the playoff final. Uh, they won the league title in 2015. That was just the regular season. There weren't any playoffs that particular year. 2017, they were playoff champions. 2019, they also won the regular season. Uh, despite all that success in a limited amount of time, I don't believe they ever got to play in the Canadian FA Cup. 
Uh, they had a third best offense scoring two and a half goals per match, second best defense, and they will probably be relying on that heavily for a road match. Uh, they gave up less than one goal per outing and had the second best overall goal differential in the league. The offense, which is plenty good for them, largely due to the feat of number three league score, uh, netted 19, Taha Ilyas. And they had the second biggest, uh, second best, rather. I mean, maybe he's very big. I don't know. Probably tall, at least. Second best goalkeeper, uh, giving up uh, 0.83 goals per match. They don't track it in terms of clean sheets for this league stats, which I kind of like, uh, is Lucas Bernstingle. I'm sure he's going to have a fabulous uh, career in insurance once his soccer is done with a last name like that. I kid. I kid. I don't kid. Match number three. Already we are flipping our calendar page to Sunday, and now you're going to get your only coverage of any top-flight domestic league match, up until at least we get to the bonus matches. Those are always league matches. Right now it's the only one you're going to get out of the main 10, and this is the quote-unquote controversial match that I mentioned earlier. It's not that controversial. This is a hobby podcast, but there are folks, and go ahead and fast-forward if you want to, who won't be happy that... These guys are getting any attention at all. We're going to cover the top two matchup from the Russian Premier League. Yes, because of the Ukrainian invasion, they have been suspended, and rightfully, by UEFA and FIFA. Good on them for taking a stand. But they're, you know, the Russian Premier League is still playing. They've got a great matchup, and we're going to cover it. Because who knows, with a change in leadership or other unforeseen possibilities that would end all this, who knows, maybe... This country and this team could be rejoining the international soccer community hopefully sooner rather than later if everything can get resolved and these teams will get to move on into international play. The Russian Premier League is rated number 15 in UEFA. That is down five from a year ago. They probably wouldn't have dropped five necessarily, but because they got suspended last year, they only were awarded the bare minimum possible number of coefficient points by UEFA. So on the other on the one hand that might not be fair, but on the other hand, they had a lot of pretty darn good players leave the league uh, because they uh, UEFA allowed them to suspend their Russian Premier League contracts and move away if they wanted to with no penalty. So maybe it all balances out. In any case, if they are able to play next year in international tournaments, the team or rather the league will get one Champions League group stage berth. One that will start in the second qualifying round and then a couple of teams in the tertiary Europa Conference League and they'll get to start in advanced qualifying rounds there. They're just seven matches into the season, but it is uh, two pretty strong teams. One behemoth of a traditional power in this one. We have number B, Spartak Moscow. Yeah, not CSKA Moscow for a change. And they're playing host to number one, Zenit St. Petersburg. Zenit currently leads Spartak by one in the table. Closest league match in the world for the top two for this particular week for our show. Spartak, by the way, in turn lead number three, CSKA Moscow by two. They haven't gone away. The series between these two, as one would expect if you're familiar with the Russian Premier League, Zenit have been rather dominant, accruing in recent years a 14-8-8 record. But as is our tradition, we will start off by talking about the hosts, in this case, the gladiators of Spartak Moscow. And yes, this uh, fitness slash sporting uh, club, organization, society, whatever you want to call it, it's not a coincidence that Sparta is in the name. That is a translation of Sparta or Spartacus. By the way, uh, this team, in addition to being known as the Gladiators, is also known by its fans unofficially as the Meat. And honestly, they have a chant that says, who are we? We are the Meat. 
based on his Arby's commercial work, I really want Ving Rhames to do a recording of that for no particular reason. And hey, even though you're suspended, we're going to be nice and wish you as a club a happy 100th birthday. They are a century old this year. This club is ranked just inside the top 90 within UEFA. They have won 22 league titles. That's back both from the Soviet era and the current uh, and the current Premier League. Uh, 2016-17 was the most recent one they won. All the way back in 1990-91 uh, was their best Champions League run. They got all the way to the semifinal. Last year, they made it as far as the third qualifying round before they lost to Portugal's Benfica. Last year, they had a really down year, finishing just in 10th place. This year, they've made improvements clearly on both sides of the ball. Uh, Number one offense going with two and a half goals per match, a top three defense. They've only given up five on the young season. Good for the second best overall goal differential. I don't know if this is a team that can hold off uh, CSKA Moscow and or overtake Zenit, but as things look, second place is really where they belong. This isn't a team a lot of folks would necessarily want to root for, even within Russian football, though. Their number one scorer is a really controversial guy. The number one league scorer, in fact, he's got seven already. Quincy Proms from the Netherlands plays forward for them. He's got 50 national team appearances for the Dutch since 2014. He's played for some big European teams like Ajax and Sevilla. Now, he had been with Spartak for a very long time, and I believe he is their club's all-time leading scorer. And then he went to Western Europe, and now he is back. He returned to this club uh, amidst a lot of legal complications, uh, several different ones. He had a domestic violence charge levied against him at one point. I believe that got dropped eventually. Uh, Another time, he ended up purportedly uh, stabbing a family member in an argument, And uh, they're trying to book him on attempted murder. And he's even, uh, no charges, but there have been allegations made by legal authorities that he's been involved in uh, laundering and drug trafficking. Uh, And in fact, that stabbing that I mentioned, a civil court has already found him liable for all the legal costs for the attempted murder. So things don't look good for him. I wonder what the extradition policy is between the Netherlands and Russia. He might be uh, hiding out, basically. Team's current form, they have won two straight matches. A little less controversially, uh, hopefully going on with Zenith. Uh, They have simply dropped an H. The name does mean Zenith. In English, they are owned by Gazprom, the giant state-owned energy company, a lot of natural gas. They actually sponsored our program one time, or at least that's what we led you to believe because we had a commercial. It might have been real or maybe not. They have won nine league titles, including the last four in a row. Uh, They won what is now called the Europa League in uh, the 1997-98 season. Champions League, they've never been past the group stage. Last year, they finished in third in third place in the group in the Champions League. That dropped them to the Europa League, where they lost in the round of 32 to La Liga's Real Betis. This year, very well balanced. Top two on offense and defense, both. They've only allowed two goals on the season. Good for the number one overall goal differential. On the scoring leaderboard for the PL here with four is the singularly named Brazilian Malcolm. He plays forward for them. He's played for a number of big-name clubs, uh, Corinthians back home, I believe, where he got his start. Also Bordeaux, not one of your stronger French teams. I think they might be down in League Two even right now. And the much better club, Barcelona. He hasn't made any senior national team appearances in Brazil, but he has played at the youth level. Team's current form, they have won four straight matches after a little bit of a surprising nil-nil draw at number 10, Akmat. 
Match number four. And believe it or not, that already wraps up the weekend. As I mentioned in the intro, this is an episode where we're going to be talking about a lot of tournament matches, and those matches tend to be very much concentrated on the weekdays, whereas league matches tend to be more on the weekends, although you'll see them scattered throughout the week, just not here in our main 10. Monday, we have one to cover, and it is from the AFC Cup. Yeah, we're heading to Asia for their secondary international club tournaments quarterfinal, or as they would call it, the West Asia Zone semifinal. The winner of this match is going to get to play one of two Bahrainian teams, East Riffle or Al Riffa. The match we're going to focus on is Al Arabi. That's a very common name over in the Middle East for clubs. There's at least three that I know of. This one is the Kuwaiti iteration, and they are going to be playing host to Al Sib out of the Omani Premier League. Al Arabi, they play out of the capital, Kuwait City, as a lot of teams do there. Mansouria is the name of the neighborhood or district that they are in. The Premier League there is a bit of an up-and-coming one. They are up five in the most recent version of the coefficients there and now ranked 17th out of the, I believe, 52. It's about the same number as in UEFA, number of total leagues that they have in different countries. They have won 17 league titles. Uh, They qualified as the 2020-2021 league champs. And yes, that's not last year's. That's from the year before. Calendars can be a little bit goofy over in Asia. Sometimes you have to wait a year and a half to get into the competition that you're qualifying for. And by the way, the league title that they won in uh, 21 was the first one that they'd won in almost 20 years. Internationally, a tiny bit of success in an event that is now called the Arab Club Championship. They finished in second place in 2012-13, best they've ever done. They've made the Champions League in Asia, the group stage three different times, uh, all in the uh, mid-aughts this century. 2008-2009, they made the quarterfinal of this particular event, best they've done. Last year in league play, they finished in third place, 10 points behind number one, Kuwait SC. Kuwait SC, therefore, will qualify for either the uh, this event or the Champions League next year. Uh, they had tied for the second-best offense in the league, scoring 1.75 goals per match. Defense wasn't quite as good, but pretty close, good for the second-best overall goal differential. Top 10 scorer in the league was theirs to boast of, a gentleman named Senussi Alhadi, a Libyan midfielder for them. And then on the scoring leaderboard for this event, he's been playing very well, is Ablaye Mbenge from Senegal, a forward. He actually played for a team we talked about earlier, uh, just last match, in fact, in Russia. He played for that team I mentioned, Akhmat. Not one of Russia's best, but he was there from 2015 through 21. Kind of an interesting coincidence. Uh, he moved over to Al-Arabi in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia in June, though. So even though they're partway through the tournament, they won't have his services any longer. Yikes. And now I'll see about the Omani Premier League. Uh, this league isn't nearly as internationally renowned. They're only ranked number 28 in the uh, AFC, almost up to average, and it is up six from a year ago. If they can get just one notch higher, they would be in a position where they could be sending a team to the Champions League if there are another, enough other dropouts. By the way, the city of Al-Sib is just a few miles from the capital, Muscat, and uh, it's on the coast and is called a fishing city, which when I first saw that made me think, oh, it must be a, a small village or hamlet or township that's on the edge of the capital, but they've got maybe half a million people there. That's a lot of fishermen and probably a lot of fish. 
Ooh, Persinum. I wonder if they have salmon down in that part of the world that they catch a lot of. I know that's your favorite. And she's off to probably go find some salmon right now. I made her hungry. Uh, the one thing sort of uh, generally news or world knowledge wise, if you will, that this area is known for is there is a big quote unquote top secret internet monitoring site there. And they use a lot of the information for themselves, but largely uh, they sell it or help out the United Kingdom with whom they have close ties with that information. The club was founded in 1972. They qualified for this event as the 2019-20 champions. Thank you, COVID. Yeah, a lot of league cancellations and various things. Uh, they are the two-time defending champs, and those are their only two league titles in history. Uh, that Arab club championship I mentioned earlier, they finished in second place in that of their only appearance in 2015. All the way back in 1995, they did make their lone appearance in the Champions League, but fell right out in the first round. This tournament is more has been more their speed. Last year in league play, they did finish number one on offense by lots and lots, scoring almost two goals per match. It's not a very high-scoring league overall. And they had tied for the number one defense scoring, uh, or rather allowing only two-thirds of a goal per match. I have a feeling this is where Alcib's uh, nice little run uh, will meet its ugly end, but we shall see. Match number five. And now onward to Tuesday for match five for the semifinal second leg of the home and away two-legged tie that they play in South America's Champions League, the Copa Libertadores. And for the second episode in a row, we're going to be mentioning Paul Myris, and they are going to be playing host to Atletico Parada Ense. Uh, Parada Ense won the first leg 1-0. Paul Myris, they would have been your favorite heading into this, but any kind of deficit can be very tough to overcome even at home. Now, we're not afraid to cover this one a second time in a row because last week this fell as match number eight, was, which is when we typically take our culture break and we gave you a recipe. So this time you get the actual mini preview and here at the much more dramatic and high stakes second leg. By the way, the winner of this match is almost certainly going to get fellow Brazilian club Flamengo because they won their first leg nil four on the road over Argentinian uh, Vela's Sarsfield club. You can catch this one on television, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on B in Sports, both the English and the Spanish language channel versions. Paul Myris, you got to love a club that names itself the Pig. It was founded largely or entirely by Italians. Porco was supposed to be a name that was uh, very demeaning to them, but as so often happens with various marginalized groups of people, they seized it and made it their own. They play out of the Perdizes district of Sao Paulo and are the second-ranked club in all of Conmebol, and quite frankly, I'm surprised they haven't risen to number one. They qualified for this event as the defending champions and have now won it twice in a row. They've also won three titles overall. They advanced to this stage over Atletico Monairo, and they had a tough time of it. They played uh, to a 2-2 after their aggregate, and then they had to go to penalty kicks where they won 6-5. They have two players tied for second best in scoring in this event with seven each. Uh, the singularly named Roni is the one that I will mention. He plays forward for them, probably the stronger player overall. Uh, he played for Parada Ense, by the way, from 2018 through 20. I wonder if that's any kind of advantage. Uh, he's also a top 10 scorer in Brazil's Serie A, which is the reason I'm not doing a little bit of detail on the other guy, Rafael Navarro. Although I'm sure he's very good. Seven goals is a lot. Here's how they're doing in the 2022 Serie A league season. Best way to judge them overall, I'd say. Uh, they are number one once again, and now by seven points over Flamengo. They have tied for the uh, 
best offense in the league, scoring well over one and a half goals per match. They only give up two games, or not two games, two goals every three matches, and that is the top defense in the league as well. Second best in assists in the league with six is one of my favorite players in the whole world, Gustavo Scarpa. And uh, I love him just because of uh, the main picture I keep seeing of him. He's got these big old glasses. No idea if he plays in them or not, but he's an attacking midfielder who looks very much like what I am still calling the Brazilian version of Steve Urkel from Family Matters. And I mean that in the best way possible. And the more I learn about this guy, the more I just love him to death. He's into skateboarding, plays guitar, does an all kinds kinds of rock music, uh, novel reading, loves Dostoevsky, for example, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, and he's really into Rubik's Cubes, so much so that he now, I believe, either makes them or or signs ones that he's used, and then he uh, gives them to the club gift shop to sell, is my understanding. Just an awesome guy. you got to love people who are into more than just their sport. Uh, number one goalkeeper in the league is there supposed to, by the way, 11 clean sheets on the season, Weaverton. And he's another guy who played for Piranha Ense. He was there from 2012 through 17. Team's current form, while their last loss was all the way back on July 2nd, and it was a road loss to Piranha Ense. Dun, dun, dun. Speaking of Piranha Ense, they've got a nickname I love, the Hurricane. They play out of the city of Curitiba, which is the capital of the Paraná province that they are named for. Uh, The city's got about 2 million people, three and a half overall in the major metro area. It's about 250 miles northeast of Sao Paulo, give you a little geographic perspective. This team ranks number 12 in all of Comable. They qualified as the Copa Sudamericana winners from last year. That is their version of the Europa League, the secondary tournament. Last year, and it's a good thing they won it because they wouldn't have gotten into international play of any kind otherwise. They only finished 14th last year in Serie A. By the way, they also won that Copa Sudamericana in 2018. 2005 was the best uh, Libertadores run they've ever made. They got to the semifinals. When they do make it here, they're usually out in the round of 16, uh, such as their last appearance in 2020. They advanced to this round over the Argentinian club Estudiantes, just 1-0 on aggregate, had their defense working. Let's judge them overall, though, how they are doing in Serie A, since we have a much larger game sample. They are in sixth place, and quite frankly, they're lucky to even be that high. They've only got the eighth best offense going. Their defense is very average at best, as is their goal differential. If they don't win this thing, I don't think that they're necessarily going to make any kind of of international appearance next year. Although right now they are in position to uh, make it to the Copa Libertadores next year, but they would have to start in an early qualifying round. On the scoring leaderboard for them in league play is the Uruguayan midfielder, uh, David Terence. He's uh, found the back of the net seven times. Uh, interestingly, he's made only two national team appearances. They were both last year and at 28 years old. That's just kind of a, a late time in soccer life to be starting to get your international team's attention. Team's current form, well, they're just 0-2-2 heading into this match until they, of course, won the leg one matchup against their current foes. 
a recap of last week's matches that we talked about. Kitties love it so much, they ask for it by name. I think, but I really don't speak felon, so it's hard to say. Anyway, last week's matches from episode 98. Match number one was a Saturday match from the NWSL. Number one, Portland Thorns took on number B, San Diego Wave. And it is the Wave who are now in first place following their nil two win. Alex Morgan had a goal and an assist. And she helped knock Portland all the way down to number four. It's still a very tight race in that league with several teams still in the mix for the regular season title. Match number B from the Premier League of Canada. Uh, number one, Atletico Ottawa took on number B, Forge FC, and they played to a nil-nil draw. Based on other results, they actually took Forge down to number three, the usual power in this league. Sunday match number three from the Premier League of Belarus. Number one, BATE Borisov took on second place, Shakyor Salahorsk. And it was Salahorsk getting a nil-two win, and so they switched places in the table. Uh, BATE had been the power for many, many years, but it looks like Salahorsk might win it for something like the third year in a row. Match number four from the ladies' side of the ball, the Swedish Damosvenskan Liga. Number one, Rusengard took on number B, Linko Pings, and it was a 1-0 win for the home side. Olivia Sko had an assist. Yeah, we mentioned a look for. No change in the table there. Match number five from the A-Liga of Lithuania. Number B, Hegelman took on number one traditional behemoth Zalgiris Vilnius. And it was Zalgiris Vilnius laying the wood, one for on road. No change in the table, but uh, Hegelman obviously have a big road to hoe to climb up for the title now. Match number six from the Uzbek Super League. Number one, Navbahor took on number B, Paktikor. They played to a 1-1 draw. That knocked Paktikor, the cotton growers, down to number three, Wednesday, match number seven, our feature Major League Soccer match of the week. Number seven, Columbus in the East took on number six, Inter-Miami. Columbus got a 1-0 win. I believe that moved them up to number six and knocked Miami temporarily, at the very least out of the playoff picture, down to number eight. Match number eight from the Copa Libertadores semifinal, leg one of the two-legged home-and-away tie between two Brazilian powers, Atletico Parana Ince and Paul Myras, and it was the home team getting a 1-0 win. Thursday, match number nine from UEFA's qualification group stage for the Women's World Cup. We had Ireland taking on Finland in Group A. Ireland was expected to win and did, got the 1-0 win. They will be going on to the next round, not yet the World Cup. They've got to play now in a playoff stage, I believe. Match number 10 was from Honduras's Liga Nacional. Number B, Matagua, and number one, CD Olympia. Matagua got a 1-0 win. They are your new number one. We love the high-stakes matches where things can change. Olympia dropped all the way down to number three, so another sensational race going on there in the Apertura stage. And then your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Sunday, the route of the week was a Nicaraguan match from the Primera División uh, in their Apertura stage. It was last place number 10, Municipal uh, Jalapa, taking on number one, Sports Sebacao. And, woo, it was an upset. It wasn't a route at all. We actually had Municipal winning 1-0. Congratulations. That is a big scalp to get. And it knocks Sports Sebacao down into second place. Your most meaningless match in the world was the Saturday match from Major League Soccer. Charlotte taking on Toronto. Toronto got a road win, nil two. We saw a lot of road wins this week. And finally, your match of disappointed from the Swedish Women's League, the Allsvenskan Liga. 
We had uh, Brahma Prekarna taking on AIK, and they played to a 1-1 draw in most disappointing fashion. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into mini-previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. We remain on Tuesday and head back to Europe for Champions League action, where the group stage is just about to begin. Match we're going to focus on is Benfica out of Portugal versus Maccabee Haifa out of Israel. They are playing in Group H along with uh, Juve from Serie A, Italy, and PSG, the lone real power in France's Ligue 1. You can catch this match on ESPN3 or basically uh, Paramount Plus, 3 o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S., You'll find out in a little bit why we chose this particular match. We'll start with the hosts this time of Benfica, known as the Eagles. And I love their crest. It's got the eagle kind of over everything else but attached. Very much uh, looks like a Roman legion standard sort of thing to me. This is the most successful club in Portuguese history. They've won the domestic league title 37 times, the Primeira Liga. Last time they won it was 2018-19. They've also won two Champions League titles, I don't think it was even called that then. This was That was back in the early 60s. Last year, they made the quarterfinal. That's more of their standard. And they finished as runners-up in the Europa League twice in the last decade. 20th century, which I realize we're getting a little bit further away from, but it's kind of cool. This club was named the number 12 club in the world in terms of success by FIFA. Cool. Uh, they qualified for this event by finishing in third place in their league last year. Uh, by the way, and they just dropped a notch behind the Netherlands. It's now only the number seven ranked league in all of Europe. Uh, this team is not one that you would expect to be advancing, to be perfectly honest. They're coming out of pot three. And in fact, they're in the bottom half of the pot three seeded teams. Uh, they entered the Champions League, by the way, at the third qualifying round. They advanced over uh, Dinamo Kiev from Ukraine, 5-0 on aggregate. 2022-23, Primera Liga. Uh, it's very early in the season, as it is in uh, most of Europe, other than the northern countries. But they're a perfect 5-0-0. You can't ask for more than that. 13-3 goal differential, so it's certainly not a fluke. Their best player going right now, and again, it's early on, but Joao uh, Mario plays central midfielder for them. He's already got four goals and an assist, and he is very accurate on his crosses in particular, probably a bit of a set-piece specialist, I would think. he uh, Normally, if you can uh, get a stat that's like, if you're doing 30-plus percent on that, you're doing very well, and he's at over 40. I rarely see that. And we have a USA connection. Defender John Brooks. We probably won't see him in action because he just signed for this club on September 1st. Uh, he's got 45 U.S. men's national team caps under his belt since 2014. Uh, he holds German citizenship. I'm not sure he's ever played in the U.S. because uh, he spent a lot of his career so far with uh, Bundesliga clubs Wolfsburg and Hertha Berlin. And now, the real reason we're covering this match, no offense, Benfica fans, but Maccabee Haifa, uh, they are the Greens from Carmel, which is the mountain range that is collectively called Mount Carmel. The city is on uh, the slopes of that city of Haifa. It is the third largest city in the country. Uh, the city proper's got about a quarter million, a uh, greater metro area, one million people. It's a big oil area, and it's really big on high tech. It's a, But the reason we're covering this team by far in the coefficients, this is the worst seeded team in the event. As the group stage goes on, we're going to be looking for higher and higher stakes matches. And while there's plenty of teams left alive, we're not really running any risk of 
uh, duplicating ourselves in terms of what teams we cover. Who knows? This might be uh, the only time that we have a realistic chance based on our own criteria of covering a team this far down in the coefficient. They're very good as Israel goes. They've won 14 league titles and are the two-time defending league champions. That one that they won two years ago was their first title in a decade. Just to paint you an overall broader picture, there are four big teams in Israel, and this is one of them. 2002-2003, they became the first Israeli team to qualify for the Champions League group stage. This is overall their third appearance. By the way, the Premier League ranks number 20 in UEFA. To be honest, I'm kind of surprised it's that high, considering how few of their teams uh, get to the group stages. Nevertheless, there they are. And uh, they qualified, of course, by winning their Premier League last year. They had to enter at the second qualifying round. In the playoff round, their most recent match in this event, they advanced over one of the two big ones from Serbia, Red Star Belgrade. Taking a look at their uh, league season, very, very young, 2021-22 Premier League. Uh, they've got the number one best offense or no, I'm sorry, this was last year's Premier League because the new year is so young. Number one offense by Miles, scoring well over two goals per match. They had the second best defense, only giving up two-thirds of a goal on average per game, and the number one goal differential by almost a factor of two. And yet, strangely, they actually only won the league by four points over uh, Hapoel Be'er Sheva. They've got the number one league score from last year in Atzi, uh, Omar, or no, Omer, it's got an E in it, Atzili, attacking midfielder. Uh, European footy fans, if you like La Liga or Spain in general, outside chance you'll recognize his name. He played for Granada back in 2016-17. And we have a USA connection, Josh Cohen, goalkeeper. He was the player of the league last year for helping them win it. Uh, and uh, U.S. fans, yet well, while he's never got the attention of the U.S. men's national team, he did play some second division ball or second tier, I should say, ball before going over to Israel several years ago, having uh, spent time with both Phoenix Rising and Sacramento Republic. Match number seven. More Tuesday action. We stay in Europe, but this time we switch over to the women's side of the ball for UEFA Women's World Cup qualification. They're still in the group stage. This is going to be the very last match. The winners of each of these groups of either five or six teams get to advance straight to the World Cup in 2023. The number B finishers, they move on to a playoff round where uh, the three best out of the nine, that, you know, having achieved the most overall points, will get a bye. And then the other six will face off and play for the right to play those three for a chance to go to the World Cup. In any case, your matchup, one of the few with any real stakes left. Uh, from uh, Group I, we have number B, Wales. They're playing host to number three, Slovenia. Wales currently leads Slovenia by two. So Slovenia's got to get a road win here, and that's going to be tough to do. No chance at number one. They were in the same group as France and Frash. France housed everyone. No real surprise there. They've been the uh, reigning power in the world in women's football for rather a long time. Wales, uh, their women's league is ranked number 20 in UEFA overall, or not their league, I'm sorry, but the national women's national team and ranked uh, number 31 by FIFA overall. They've never qualified for a World Cup. They've never even qualified for the Women's European Championships. 
They have almost no chance of finishing in the top three, taking a look at that particular sub table. So if they win this match or at least get a draw and they advance on as the number B finisher in this group, they're probably going to have to win two more games to get to the World Cup. They've done very well in this event. Six, one and two record. Second best offense, two and a half goals per match. Second best defense, only giving up a goal every other match on average. They don't have any individual players on the event scoring leaderboard, but in this group, uh, tied for third best with five each are Kaylee Green, who uh, plays for Brighton and Hove Alvion, and Natasha Harding, and she plays for Aston Villa. So they're both over in England. This team's form, uh, their last three, they've gone 2-1-0 with a 4-0 goal differential, so very defensively oriented of late. And now your definite underdogs, Slovenia. They've never been to the World Cup or the European Championships either. They went 5-2-2, actually with almost identical stats this group stage as Wales, yet I don't think they're nearly as talented ultimately. Nevertheless, on the scoring leader leaderboard overall for the event amongst all teams in all groups with eight is Lara Prashnikar, their striker. So if Wales can kind of keep a lid on her, they're not going to have much trouble in this game, I don't think. She currently plays for Frankfurt in the Bundesliga and has 50 national team appearances under her cap. Team's current form, they're uh, 3-1 this year across all competitions and friendlies. And I will say impressively, and I think this is the reason they could have a shot, even though I wouldn't bet money on them, they only lost 0-1 at France, a team that had been beating most teams by five or six goals. Match number eight. And now Wednesday, the biggest game being played in the United States, the U.S. Open Cup Final, that is our FA Cup. And it features Orlando, and they're playing host to second division USL championship team, Sacramento Republic. And guess what? That's all you're going to find out about it. Remember what I said earlier about match number eight? Hey, I would love to cover it, but I don't make the rules. Oh, wait. I do make the rules. Well, match number eight is where we typically take a break. I made that rule. So we're going to talk about something else culture related. Interestingly, this will be the second time that we've done this for Orlando, but we're going to take a little bit of a different tack. You'll see what I mean shortly. Namely, where did they get their name? Orlando is so so cool. Kind of fun to say Orlando. Orlando. Will Ferrell would like Francisco. Francisco better, but that's okay. Ron Burgundy. Love it. In 1975, a judge named John Cheney told the story of his dad, also had been a judge, uh, John Moses Cheney, that he had recounted. The story that he recounted involved a prominent figure from back in the late 1900s, a guy named James Spear, who wanted very much to name the town at the time called Jerrigan after the main character in As You Like It. He was kind of a hoity-toity fellow, if you will, a a self-perceived gentleman and liked things Shakespearean, amongst many other things. And I guess that was his favorite play. At the very least, it would seem that was his favorite character. Spear was actually quoted in a letter as calling Jerrigan a, quote, veritable forest of Arden. Now, Arden is where the play As You Like It takes place, and it's a, it's a real forest fairly near where uh, Shakespeare was born. Spear was instrumental in getting the name changed, but what kind of makes this cool is we have a tie-in to the first time we talked about this. One of the other, and it's been largely discounted, uh, possible etymologies for the name Orlando for this area is that we talked about 
a legend of a uh, settlement era soldier named Orlando Reeves, or Reese, R-E-E-S, who, uh, depending on the story you hear, uh, either died while he was herding oxen from a point A to point B and had a uh, noteworthy grave in some fashion, or uh, that he was uh, killed by local, uh, some local, local native tribe. So what is thought happened is that because Spear wanted to name it this, is that he used, he probably didn't make it up, but he used the legend most likely of Orlando Reeves or Reeves to push the name to be of the area to be switched from Jerrigan to Orlando, when in fact his real reason was because he was a big Shakespeare fan. And by the way, uh, there is a Rosalind Avenue, I believe, in or near downtown Orlando, but we're pretty sure that's a coincidence. Match number nine. For our last two matches of the main ten, we fly far, far away from the Swanee River, where the old folks are, in fact, at home, to Europe for the Europa League group stage. The secondary international club tournament is starting as well. The number one and number B teams from each of these groups of four will advance to the knockout round. The third place finishers, they will get to drop down to the Europa Conference League right into the knockout round. Match we're going to focus on are the two te- involves the two teams that have Union in their name, although that's a coincidence, not why we chose it. Uh, Union Berlin, of course, out of the Bundesliga, and Union St. Joie out of Belgium. They are playing in Group D along with Braga, probably the fourth best team annually out of Portugal, and the big Swedish power right now, Malmö. You can catch this one at 12.45 Eastern Time here in the States on Paramount+. Plus. The Iron Ones, or the Iron Men, I believe is how you would translate it from German. That's the nickname for Union Berlin. They play out of an area within that city called Kupenik, which is in the southeast part of the greater metro area. has about 70,000 people. Got to see a couple pictures. Their old town is just beautiful. It is a very old area. It was an independent town for a long time that eventually got absorbed into greater Berlin. Uh, The heart of it is on an island at the confluence of a couple different rivers. This team comes out of pot three, which means they're probably picked to finish in third. So they're ranked number 22 overall of the 32 teams that are still left alive in the event. 2019-20 was their first ever Division I season. Really impressive that they're getting this far, even if it is, quote unquote, just the Europa League. They're the first club ever from East Berlin, old East Berlin specifically to make it all the way to the Bundesliga. Now, one of the things over the years that had been hindering their climb up through the ranks, it's one of the many reasons they do all sorts of cool and cultish, weird uh, things. They have Christmas traditions where they get together and sing football chants, uh, as well as Christmas carols and a host of other things. But one of the things that the fans did back in 2008, they said, well, if we're going to climb much higher than wherever we are, we need a better stadium. But the club was pretty, uh, you know, financially not in the greatest of shape. And so... A couple of thousand fans put in 140,000 workovers overall and built an entirely new stadium for them. Just incredible. Great reason to root for this team, I think, in general, not just in this event. Now, they have had some success in the top flight in the past, but it was a long way in the past. In 1999, they had their best ever top flight finish in what was called the German Football Championship, 1923. Uh, They qualified for this event by finishing fifth place in the Bundesliga last year, and they they got to enter right here at the group stage. 
It's very early, of course, in the 2022-2023 Bundesliga season, but it's still worth noting that they are in fourth place. They've got a top three offense, scoring over two goals per match. They're not even giving up a goal per match. Good for the second overall goal differential. Could this actually be a team that gives Bayern a run for the title? Yeah, probably not. But they could still do very well in this event. Uh, tied for number one in a scoring for the league very early on here is Geraldo Becker. He's got five goals, plays winger for them. Officially, he represents for Suriname. Must have family family lineage back there in that tiny little country in South America. He's actually uh, Dutch-born, and he played for the national team at various youth levels, but apparently knew he wasn't ever going to get called up to the senior team. So he made the one-time switch that FIFA allows. And he's appeared for them uh, five times, all within the last year, year and a half there in Suriname. He came up with uh, the Dutch club Ajax, by the way, but he never made any senior appearances for them. And we have a USA connection, a very new one. Uh, Jordan Pifak came over this year. He plays striker for them. Uh, he came up with a club called Rons in France. It looks like R-E, it's spelled R-E-I-M-S, but it is Rons. Uh, he came over to this club, though, after leading the league in scoring last year with Young Boys of Bern in the Swiss Super League. He had, he's got the nine U.S. men's national team caps so far under his belt. I have a feeling as they struggle to settle in on a true striker that he will be getting more and more. I really hope he gets to go to the World Cup in Qatar. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last 10 across all competitions and friendlies. And perhaps most impressively at all, they just got a home draw 1-1 versus Bayern Munich. And now Union St. Gilois. They actually don't play in St. Gilois anymore, which is part of uh, – the greater Brussels area in the southern region. It's called, uh, the area they're in now is in a neighboring district or township called Forest or Vorscht. They actually made that move in 1920. And yet, despite it being over a century ago, they haven't bothered to change the name. Uh, they were the best club in the country, but don't worry if you haven't heard of them much before. All the way back before World War II, they won 11 league titles. They got back to Division I just last year. It took them multiple lifetimes of people to get back, and now here they are in international competition. Very exciting. This is a club that is very popular with the working class and always has been of southern Brussels. What's interesting is that they are now getting a – a more moneyed fan base in that there's a lot of international people uh, coming to work in the area, very uh, high paying jobs, and they're building further and further south in Brussels, but this is the club that's nearest to them. So they are big fans as well. Uh, they are seeded number 31 of 32 in this event. They're not expected to get very far, finish in last here and be done with their international play. That's the reason that I picked this particular club. And this match, uh, the lowest seeded team in the event is Trabzonspor out of Turkey. But we talked about them just within the last couple of weeks. So I decided to move one up from that. They qualified, quote unquote, by losing in the Champions League in the third qualifying round to Rangers out of Scotland, 3-2 on aggregate. Uh, they entered at that round and it was just heartbreaking that they weren't able to move on in Champions League for them because they won the first match 2-0 at home before you know, dropping the three uh, the three nil match over uh, two Rangers. Uh, 
2022-23 in the first division A there in Belgium. It's early on, but they are in seventh place right now. I'm not sure they're even going to be able to hold on to that. Uh, they've only got the 11th best offense, well below average, scoring one and a third goal per match. The defense isn't really much better, and they've got a negative goal differential. A large part of the problem, particularly on offense, is because they lost last year's league number one score, uh, Dennis Undav to Brighton and Hove Albion of the Premier League. I hope they got a bunch of money for him. Uh, they're going to need to spend it if they're going to be able to make international play for next year. By the way, he was also in the top 10 in assists for the league last year. So it was just a huge loss. The best player that they've had going early on, he's got big shoes to fill, uh, Loic. Uh, Lapusin. He uh, represents internationally from Madagascar, plays left midfield. He's actually a French born, doesn't have any goals, just one assist on the air, but he's a really solid passer and he's really great at putting the ball on target. So the goals and assists will come, especially without Mr. Undav there to be uh, poaching those away as time goes on, presumably. Um, he's made 11 national team appearances over the last couple of years for Madagascar, by the way. Team's current form, uh, they just lost 4-2 to at Royal Antwerp. No real shame there, but that broke a two-match win streak. They were finally picking up some steam. They've had a 6-6 six six goal differential over that stretch. So really, if they're not able to start getting it together on defense, I have a feeling their group stage is going to be a very long and a very sad one here over the next couple of months. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Oh, person noob, always so impatient. But, you know, who can blame her? I'm using the main desktop computer here in her quote-unquote classroom as part of the studio setup, and she probably wants to play and lose at, haha, I know it's from Hackers, uh, Egg Wars. That's the current game that she's involved with. But, hey, we've got more world footy to get to. We stay in Europe for our final match of the main 10. It is once again on Thursday. The Europa Conference League, the tertiary tournament over there. It's also in the group stage, just starting. And we're going to look at Balkani out of Kosovo. Yeah, they haven't been playing international ball for very long. The whole league only just got to uh, join UEFA, I believe, in 2016. They are playing host to CR Cluj out of Romania. They're playing in Group G. The other two teams in that are Slavia Prague and Sivaspor out of the Czech Republic and Turkey, respectively. And you can catch this match at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time in the States on Paramount+. Plus. Balkany, they are known as the Gabriels. Not sure if that's a Kosovar word that means something that I would have no idea about or if it refers to somebody named Gabriel, first or last name, involved with the founding or a former star of the club, or maybe even uh, the angel or archangel Gabriel. No clue. But what I do know is they play out of the small town of Suva Reka. It's got well over 10,000 people in it, south-central part of the country. Uh, most importantly, it's about 35 miles is all from the capital city, which is uh, Pristina. Uh, by the way, the Kosovo Super League, despite the fact that they've only been in UEFA for a handful of years, they're already up to number 36. Uh, their most recent move, they climbed up six notches. So teams that are beginning in international play have been acquitting themselves well. Now, they won the Super League last year, so they got to start in the Champions League all the way back at the first qualifying round. They couldn't even get out of that, unfortunately. They lost to a team that made an appearance on our show last week, Zalgiris Vilnius out of Lithuania. It was close. They lost 1-2. to two. Here in the ECL, they advanced to the group stage by getting through the playoff round over Shkupi, one of those names that we just love here. Uh, they play out of North Macedonia. 
They won last year's Super League, by the way, by 12 points over Drita. That is their only league title, though. They have the number one offense going, getting one and two-thirds goal per match, and the second-best defense, giving up three-quarters of a goal per match on average. I can't tell you very much about the key players, but I do know who they are. Top four in uh, the league for assists was Ermal Kresnicki last year forward. He scored 11 times and then tied for number one on assists. They had an Albanian attacking midfielder and still do named uh, Namzi Gripshi. And by the way, in case I failed to mention it, they are the lowest seeded team in all of the event that are still left alive, those clubs. So that's why we picked this one as the group stage starts, just like we did for uh, the other two international tournaments in Europe. Cluj, they are known as the Railway Men and play out of the city of Cluj or Cluj-Napoca, depending on who you talk to. Either way, it's in the northwest uh, part of the country, sort of the unofficial capital of the historical area of Transylvania. They are the number four size. Four. Uh, 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 uh. Couldn't help myself. Transylvania. Anyway, uh, number four size city in the country uh, with a metro area of well over 400,000 people. Uh, interestingly, geographically, it very much stands on its own, and yet you don't have to go really far to get major metros. Uh, other than Pristina, of course, which in and of itself isn't that huge, they're about 250 miles from Bucharest, Belgrade, and Budapest. Just kind of interesting how they fit neatly into that triangle. Uh, their nickname is Treasure City, or has been in the past, uh, largely because of the wealth amassed in precious metals trade. I'm not sure that they specifically mined it there, but a lot of it seems to have made its way through there historically. But this area, despite... Uh, well, I mean, it is the number four size city, maybe not too surprising, but they are now the nation's Technopolis, which was the word I saw. This is where all the computer industry and IT stuff is coming over. They are the number 66 ranked club in all of UEFA. Uh, before 2004, they actually spent most of their history in the lower levels of Romanian play. But now they have eight league titles and have won five straight matches. Last year, they made the group stage just like this year, but they finished in last. Obviously, they're hoping to better that. Uh, they've never been past the group stage of the Champions League, but they have been there. 2019-20 uh, is the only time they've gotten past the group stage. In the Europa League, they made the round of 32, got one notch past the group stage. By the way, the Romanian uh, Liga 1 is ranked number 25 by UEFA, so uh, this team should be a very heavy favorite, even on the road against Balkani, just based on that alone. They started in the Champions League as well, lost in the quali first qualifying round in a bit of an upset to Armenia's uh, Punic. Uh, they advanced to this round in this event over Maribor of Slovenia, 1-0 in a low-scoring home-and-away aggregate in the playoff round. 2022-23 Legal One season. They are currently in sixth place, and they've got one to two uh, matches in hands against the majority of the clubs. So they'll be getting back into international berth position, I am soon sure, once again. But they might have to shore up their defense a little bit. They're tied for number one on offense, scoring almost two goals per match, but their defense has started well below average, to be perfectly honest. The goal differential is still fourth best, so I think they're going to be okay, but that, that D is surprising. The best player they've had going early on might be uh, Gabriel uh Debulia, he is a Croatian forward for them. Uh, he is one of three players on the team with two goals this year, and he led the team in scoring last year, which is why I picked him out of the bunch. Uh, 
just to lend some perspective, uh, sort of ability-wise, as he's gotten better and better, uh, he moved from his younger senior years to Romania uh, from doing time with clubs in Italy, but never in Serie A. They were always in the second through fourth tiers. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one across all competitions in their last three matches with a 6-3 and three goal differential. Bring forth the bonus matches! Uh, perhaps the most intriguing and delightful part of the show, the bonus matches, and very much so in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to decide what the content was going to be. How so? Well, you can find me on Twitter at SoccerNoobUSA. That's my moniker or handle there. And towards the beginning, Monday or Tuesday, most weeks, I put up candidate matches for three of these very uh, differently criterioned, is that a word? Uh, bonus matches, you vote, glorious content gets decided upon and made. It is dreamy. We start with the first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one you have voted for is a Saturday match. We head over to one of the Stan countries from Central Asia, Turkmenistan specifically, where the top flight is called the Yokari Liga. It is ranked number 18 in the AFC, just a little bit above average in Asia. Much like in Europe, they're just a handful of matches into the season. Last year, they played uh, just a double round robin. It's a fairly small league. Uh, this year, it appears they're going to do a triple or quadruple round robin, which is more their norm. Uh, one team will get to go to the AFC Champions League. They are just high enough. And then another team, probably the second place team, will go to the AFC Cup and start in the playoff round, just shy of the group stage. None of the teams will be relegated. And that is good news for the hosts right now. Number eight of this match, Nabichi. And they are taking on number one, Ahal. Nabichi, they currently trail number seven, Ashgabat, by eight on goal differential. They're tied on points. Meanwhile, Ahal already have a four-point lead over number B, Altine Asir. They've already played once this season, and uh, you have probably chosen well because when Ahal got to vote to uh, to host, they did not take it easy on Nabichi at all. They won 7-0. Woof. Nevertheless, we'll start with our likely roadkill in waiting and see if there's anything about them that can uh, give us hope for a possible result or even upset. Okay, first of all, their club name, it means uh, Oil Man or Oil Men, that's their nickname. They play out of the city of Balkanabat. Uh, the city was renamed to this, by the way, in 2001, just a century. Uh, it refers to the Balkan Mountains, not the same as the Balkans further west in, uh, in Europe. And then the A-B-A-T suffix means peace. Kind of interesting. Uh, they're in the far west of the country, almost to the Caspian Sea, and they're uh, on the Trans-Caspian Railway. So this is an important town. But that said, they don't even have quite 150,000 people. They play at a stadium uh, named Toplumi Stadium that holds 10,000. So really a rather substantial uh, portion or percentage of the city population if they can actually get a sellout. 2010 through 18, this team was actually known as Balkan Balkanabots. I guess they found that that was redundant. They have won four league titles, despite the fact that they're in last place now. And you don't have to go that far back in history to find a time they were really good, 2014. In fact, the year before that, they won what at the time was the tertiary or third best international club tournament in Asia, the AFC President's Cup. 
Uh, they've never been in the Champions League, despite the fact that they did win that league in 2014. They probably couldn't get an AFC uh, license, might not have a big enough or good enough grounds or something like that. Now, the last AFC Cup that they appeared in, uh, it was 2017. Didn't get very far. In 2007, however, they made the group stage, and that's the tide for the best that they've ever done internationally. Last year in league, they finished in seventh place. This year, they've got uh, a below-average offense. They're only getting one goal per match is all. But believe it or not, that's not their main bugaboo. They've got the worst defense. They're almost giving up three per match. So I think that they're, uh, one of their only hopes lies in the fact that historically, this team has had a little bit of juice for them. Uh, with them. Now, the team's current form, well, their only win was a little while back, although it was over the number three team at home. I won't even try to pronounce it. It's spelled M-E-R-W. So, hey, they beat one pretty good team in the league. Maybe somehow they can replicate it. A whole probably believe not so much so. They're a club that was founded in 1989. Uh, they were promoted for good to the top flight in 1992. They play out of the city of Anna in the Ahal province for which they are named. Uh, the city name is a neat one. It's Persian for fresh water. It's in the south central part of the country, just a few miles from the capital city of Ashgabat. Uh, their area has 30,000, and it was a Silk Road stop. So it was a standalone uh, township, if you will, for quite a long time historically. Now, they might be in, no, in first place right now, but they've never won a league title. So who knows? Maybe that just gives us a hint of an opening that they could start some kind of slide and uh, lose a game on the road. Despite the fact, though, that they've won no league titles, they have been to the Champions League five times. Uh, this year, they played in the Champions League. They went 1-1-4 and four in the group stage. I believe that finished them in last place. Now, the year before, uh, la that was two years ago. No, that was last year. They finished in second place. That's what I mean to say. They got to go to the Champions League since Altina Asir did not have an AFC Champions League license. This year, they are one of two undefeated teams left. They have the number one offense going uh, by almost scoring twice as many as anybody else, three goals per match. They've got the second best defense, allowing fewer than one per game, and the best goal differential in the league by a factor of two and a half. Boy, that really doesn't make it sound good for Nabichi, does it? Team's current form, their only draw of the season was fairly early on, and it was a 1-1 draw on the road at number B, Altina Asir. So not much shame to be held in that one. I think we could see another, uh, another seven-goal massacre out of this one, to be perfectly honest. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you, you could. could. You're so boring. <laughs> no matter what media you're listening to, is usually good teams in good leagues and really big teams in big tournaments getting talked about. Occasionally, you'll even hear people talk about the teams that are near the bottom, about to get relegated. But what other show has the heart to shine a light on two teams that are smack dab in the middle of their table? equidistant probably from the glory of international births or getting relegated. We even set it to song. The most meaningless match of the world you devoted for takes us to another stand country, this time on the European side. The Premier League on Sunday, teams from Kazakhstan will play. It is the number 30 ranked UEFA league, pretty close to the middle, kind of meaningless as well. 
One team from this league will get to go to the Champions League group stage. Uh, one will go to the Europa Conference League second qualifying round, and another will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. On the other end of things, two of the four teams will get relegated, and neither of these teams probably have to do anything but sit back and kind of coast through the rest of the season. They're two-thirds of the way through, and they are in ninth and eighth place, respectively. Number nine, Atero, versus number eight, Caspi Akta. Um, currently, Caspi uh, Akta, they lead Atero by one, and that, and that's going to be hard for me to say, Atero, because the t- the name doesn't quite look like that, A-T-Y-R-A-U. I want to pronounce it differently. Maybe I'll just switch partway through. It doesn't matter. It's a match of meaninglessness. Uh, now, Caspi, they also trailed number three, Tobol, by six, and then Atero, lead number 13, Turan by six. Those aren't huge uh, amounts of points to make up, but there's a lot of teams, obviously, in between that they would have to hop over or slide past. They're probably not going anywhere. Let's get to know them. Anyway, Atero, they are known as the Oilers, and they play out of Munaishi Stadium, which has a little bit under a 9,000 capacity. Uh, This is considered a transcontinental city, both European and Asian. It's right at the mouth of the Ural River and the Caspian Sea. Got to be just gorgeous. City of about 350,000 people. And a fun little note, kind of meaninglessness, but still cool and probably quite picturesque. In 2001, the city built the longest pedestrian suspension bridge in the world, over 1,800 feet long, right over the main part of the town. They have never won a league title. They did win the country's FA Cup back in 2009. Not so meaninglessness. Meaninglessness? That's a noun, not an adjective. Not so meaning. Oh, well, I say disappointing for the third one. Oh, well. Anyway, they won the FA Cup in 2009. They've been to the Europa League five different times. This year in league play, they are an oh-so-perfectly average or meaningless 5-7-5 and five, with a 19-19 and 19 goal differential. That offense puts them just a right about average. The defense is a little bit above average, to be perfectly honest. But my prediction based on their goal differential is that they will stay more or less right where they are. I think they've got an outside chance to finish in the top half of the league, but just barely. They do have a guy who is tied for number one in league scoring, though, believe it or not. So apparently if teams can shut him down, they don't do very much. But Andrea Filipovic from Croatia has scored nine times for the team. Team's current form, uh, they're on a bit of a slide right now. They are winless in their last seven, though. They did get five draws over that stretch. The problem has been, as you might imagine, the offense. It's pretty much gone south this last stretch of games. And now the team that uh, mostly just goes by, Caspi. And yes, it is a city on the Caspian Sea. That is not a coincidence. And they are known as the Sailors. Akta, that part of the name means White Mountain. Uh, the club plays and the city is on the uh, Mangishlak Peninsula. This is sort of weird name that it might sound like I'm making up, but it, the, it's spelled M-A-N-G-Y-S-H-L-A-K. Mangishlak? Mangishlak? Uh, either way, it's a mouthful. Uh, This area was largely settled originally by uranium prospectors. That was before they'd found the oil there, I believe. It's a very interesting city, urban planning-wise. And I know it's the most meaningless match, but this is still kind of cool. Everything was started off as a very large oil workers' camp when the area was becoming truly settled. And so there weren't really streets, per se. 
And now that there are streets, they don't have names. Uh, basically, if you want to find something or send mail, you send it by the district within the city and then the building number and then the apartment number. That's pretty much the only way to do it. From 2001 through 19, they were in Division Two. So now that they're back in the top flight, I got to be honest, being the most meaningless match in the world isn't so bad. Their best Division One finish ever, they got up to fourth place. They've never made an international appearance of any kind. Uh, I don't think that they're going to finish in the top half of the league. Their offense, they don't even score a goal per match, and their defense is even worse. Quite frankly, I'm surprised that they're up this high, having only the 11th best goal differential out of 14 in the league. Uh, they do have uh, their team-leading score that they'll try to uh, squeeze a goal or maybe even two out of someday. Ruan Teles, Teles, perhaps it is, because he's Brazilian, plays right winger. He scored four times on the year. You'd have to be a really big Portuguese uh, soccer fan to probably recognize his name. He played a little bit for one of the lesser uh, Premier League teams over there, Maritimo, and then just a few more appearances with their B squad. Team's current form, well, they just earned a 2-2 draw versus number four, Kairat, but that snapped a four-match losing streak. And by the way, I do have something I labeled here in my notes that I've forgotten about as a most meaningless fact. Uh, within the last few years, they decided to open a 50-year time capsule but that had been uh, left. And then when they went to dig it up, they found out it was missing. Apparently, it had been moved to another area for some reason, and then a factory got built over it. Uh, fortunately, they were at least able to know what the note said. There was a guy that was still alive from back then who had a big, uh, who had a big hand in, uh, I think, the writing of the note, but he remembered it when he claims it was virtually word for word. So they still got to know a little bit about what the time capsule was about. And so now we come to the true end of our podcast road. Match number 13, appropriately. Welcome to the fresh hell that is always the match of... Disappointed! Ooh, and Kevin Horbo's score is never misplaced because this match is always one you have voted on that is two last place teams from some top flight domestic league. We had a little bit further west. This is a Sunday match. We finished things up in Estonia in the Maestro Liga, which is the number 47 ranked league in all of UEFA. Not too great. Puts them right between a couple of fairly small countries, Georgia and Iceland. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. This is one of Europe's summer leagues. Because they're so low in the coefficients, they only get the bare minimum number of uh, Champions League and other berths. Uh, more relevantly, one team is going to get relevated, uh, relegated and the second to last place team, they will have to fight for their Maestro Liga lives instead of getting kicked out via a relegation playoff match at the end of the year. The game you have voted for, number 10, Parnu JK Vapris versus number 9, TJK Legion. Legion currently lead Parnu by two. They trail Talina Kalev by 11. Yeah, these two teams really aren't going anywhere. The only question is uh, which one will finish in last and which one will have to play one extra game. Uh, by the way, Legion currently have a match in hand on uh, Talina Kalev, so you might think that that helps them out a little bit, but probably not. As far as the series between these two, Legion has accrued a 4-1 record over the last five, so we don't hold out much hope for Vapors here. But they have split on the year so far. Gives a little bit of hope for them. When Legion hosted, they won 3-0. When Vaporous hosted the first time, they won 3-1. They will play a fourth time in November 
Only the good Lord knows why. Perhaps we'll even cover it again, and it will be just as disappointing then as it is now. Let's learn a little bit about Parnu first before they get relegated to be forgotten about forever and ever. It is our second club this podcast that we will wish a happy birthday to because the fact that it is their birthday and they might be having cake is the only good thing this club has going for them. Uh, they've got a really long history of merging with other clubs. They were most recently refounded in 1999, and they've even uh, absorbed other small clubs since then. Why they wanted any part of this club, I don't have any idea. Uh, they just got repromoted two years ago. They won the second division in Estonia in 2020. By the way, vaporous means bravery. Uh, I guess maybe they're brave to even be showing up. Parnu, that is the town that they play in, and it is a resort town where everybody has something better to do than to watch the crappy football. It's a resort town on an inlet bay of the Baltic Sea. It's the fourth biggest city in the country, despite the fact that it only has about 40,000 people. Historically, it's been somewhat important because it is uh, one of the few ice-free harbors in that particular region. They are known as the Bears, and they are 2, 2, and 22, which might look cute, but if you translate that, it means they stink. Uh, the offense and defense are almost equally bad. They only score one goal per match. They give up over two goals per match. That's actually good for the eighth best overall goal differential. So we're not card- counting Parnu out of maybe being, able to, maybe being able to get into ninth place at least. And this is their shot since they get to host this match. Their team-leading scorer with a whopping huh, six on the year is Kevin Cauber. Uh, he played for TNS over in Wales, their really good team, in 2018. Team's current form, eight straight losses and 14 straight winless matches. And the match was apparently so disappointing that I completely forgot to research anything about TJK Legion. I just realized. Must have gotten distracted by something else in life. Now, I probably just found them so disappointing that I just couldn't take it anymore. And believe it or not, that's how we're going to end the show. Let's shoo them away in our usual fashion. Get rid of these clowns. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. Statler and Waldorf always doing fine work. Yeah, no joke. That's really how we're going to end it. This has been episode 99, maybe uh, uh, 90. 8.9 since we didn't do all of the last match. Anyway, that ends it. This has been Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. I'd like to take this time to thank he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspirations. Of course, to my countdown co-hosting daughter, Person Noob. Love you so much. Appreciate everything that you do with me for the show and in her life. You're a pretty awesome kid even if you do like a weird game called Egg Wars. And thank you to you, the listener, so much for finding us. We hope that you've enjoyed what has been uh, termed by other Sodker podcasters and listeners as a really fun change of pace podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, we hope that you will pass us on to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again at the century mark, hey, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.